dry and hot in the middle of summer. And uh, you will be blessed for being here today and pushing through through the cold and the wet. And so today I just felt that um, God wanted me to share on living in God's will. And so, because many young believers, when they, ca- when they come to Christ, they try to figure out what does it mean to live in God's will? Um, what do I need to do? How do I need to operate? What, what are the things that I need to, to do? And so, for those of you that want to hear my testimony, you can come for supper at our home, and I'll share that with you, because that'll take quite a while. And, uh, but today, we, out, of, out of Colossians, we're going to use what, the letter that Paul wrote, um, to the Colossians to, to show us what it means to live in God's will and what it looks like. So we'll just be scratching the surface, but from there you can, the responsibility will be with you to go into the Word and to see what that looks like. Amen? Because the responsibility is not mine, it's ours. Right. And so, and so when I was, a, I was saved 15 years ago, and I was like, for me, it was like, what is it? I was a young Christian. I was like a baby. And this morning, I asked Vincent, I said to him, Vincent Jordan, Jordan's still a baby. I said, what is your next goal for Jordan? And he says, now the next goal for Jordan is standing, but, he, but he's going to, the next goal for him is to walk. I said, right, Vincent. So that's the next goal. He wants him to walk. And I said, okay, Vincent, after that, what's the, once he can walk, what's, what's the thing after that? And uh, and the next thing after that is, is potty training, right? Yeah? Okay, so you want him to aim correct. Is that correct? No. no. <laughs> All right, but there's certain things that needs to happen. And so the Word actually says that newborn Christians, new Christians, are like babies. And uh, it's, it's not, I didn't give you the Scripture, but in 1 Peter 1, verses 2, it says, As newborn babies, desire the milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. And so desire the milk of the word that you will grow thereby. And so the Bible compares new Christians with babies, and then they are welcomed into the Christian life. They are welcomed into the body of brothers and sisters, and then they're taken care of. And what we want to see is to see, like just as they wanted for me at that time, is to see them grow up. All right? And, um, and so in this letter that we're going to be looking at today that Paul has wrote to the Colossians. Um, he's got concern for these Colossian believers that just came to faith because he knows that they live in a dangerous world. That it, where they were staying in that time, there was all these false teachings and all these false things that were coming in to take away the beauty of their, their fellowship, their, 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 the, the growth that they had at that time. They were just they, they just got to know this Jesus that was being preached and started to experience Him in their lives. And there was beautiful things happening in their lives. And then all these false teachings were coming in. And uh, He wanted them to be strong enough to know, so that they can know what is God's will for their lives, so that they can withstand these things that were uh, coming their way. And so as they were growing in their faith, they had concern for people around there, especially the, the, the believers that were there at those times. And there was faith and there was hope um, and there was love shown to the people. And, uh, but now he's concerned that they need to grow up. Have anybody ever said to you, man, grow up? It's time for you to grow up, yeah? Never, nobody ever told me that. 
Hy used Afrikaans, proper Afrikaans woord. <laughs> ja. <laughs> but this is also the emphasis of the New Testament, where, where the Bible and the New Testament, all the letters, it's, it's about the maturing of Christians, the maturing um, and you, you can be a Christian for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. There's always a maturing that needs to take place because we never arrive. We don't, we, 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 we don't get to a place. It's always a pl- thing of growing as a Christ follower and what God wants us to do. And so the, the problem is around the world with many churches is that many newborn Christians, they stay babies. And they don't do what is necessary to grow up in their faith, to, to know what is God's will for their life. And as a result, the church suffers. And what happens then, people look at the church and they go, ah, because newborn Christians are not growing up. And not, not only newborn Christians, people that's been in faith for t- 15, 15, 20 years, they've never looked at God's word and um, strengthen their relationship with him. Say, God, I want to strengthen my relationship with you. I want to grow in what you want me to do, and I want to walk in your will for my life. And so we don't want to be in that space. And now, so what's happening now? Paul's now writing this le- letter to them. And so in Colossians 1, verses 9 to 11, um, it says the following It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience with joy. It's a lot. It's a lot in there. So I'm just going to unpack it a little bit for us. Um, and so Paul knows that these Christians are living in a dangerous world. And, um, and so all these things have started to happen there. Or this false word started coming in. But Paul is in prison. And he's chained, chained to a, a, a Roman God. And so there's physically, there's nothing that Paul can do for them. But we know that Paul is a prayer warrior. Say prayer warrior. And we know that God moves powerfully through prayer. The Holy, through prayer. The Holy Spirit moves powerfully through prayer. And so, then he writes this letter by the Holy Spirit, from God. He writes this letter to the Colossians. And he says to them, this is what what will happen if you are living in the will of God, if you know God's will for your life. And so, the first thing that he prays for is he's asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's the content of his prayer. Everything else flows from this beginning of, from, from this verse. And so, the one thing that they needed to understand was to live. What does it mean to live in God's will? Because it's very clear and very important to Paul that we need to do that. He knows that if they begin to understand the will of God, everything good that he desires for them will follow. So the aim for us today, here, right now, is to know what is God's will for our life, right? Yes? Okay. So if I went around and asked, do you know what God's will for your life is, will you be able to answer? And the, and the answer is, no, not everybody will be able to answer. And so, but the first thing that we need to know is that 
our behavior flows out of who we think we are. And so, who we think we are, we, we, we live in a place, as I said, when we, before we get saved, we are, we're in a place, we're actually selfish, because we're living for ourselves. Everything is about us, me, myself, and I. And so, and then when we come to faith, and we believe in Jesus, and, and, and we've accepted Him as our Lord and Savior, then we think, okay, God, now I want to live in your world. What do I need to do today? Um, where, do I, where do I go today? Where do I need to speak to today? And it's like, you're all excited, and you want to do all these things. And, um, and so, then you've got all these lists of things that you want to do, but there is this profound principle that is involved in this, and that is that God knows us, and He knows that our behavior flows out of who we think we are. Okay, so has anybody ever told you, who do you think you are? Huh? Every day I want to tell my children, do you know who I am? Uh, I'm your father. Not like the movie. But our behavior comes out of a place of who we think we are. And so God knows that. But the big thing is that God has made us different to what we used to be. Amen? We are not the same. We cannot be the same as we were before. God made us different. He made us to be somebody different, to walk in His will. And in 1 Corinthians 6.20 it says, You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So you don't belong to yourself. Once you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you don't belong to yourself anymore. It's not about your wants, your need what you want to do, and on, on the things that you want for your selfish self, it's about what, what does God want you to do? What does He want in your life? And the more you understand who you are now and what God has done to make you that, the more your behavior will change. The more we get to understand who God has made us to be, the more our behavior will change. All right, so we've had some major behavioral changes since they become, since they Got to know Jesus. Huh? I see a couple of hands going up. And so, Paul goes on to say, he says, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So there's two things that will enable us to discover the will of God in this verse here. The first one is spiritual wisdom. What is spiritual wisdom? It's wisdom that comes from the Spirit. It's not from the natural man. And in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4, that I give you that verse. There we go. It says, where it says that our ministry is not according to the wisdom of man, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. And then he goes on in verses 7. He says, We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glorification. Paul is speaking about divine insight into human life. How to understand ourselves and how the world functions. So we've got, to, we've got to distinct that too. How we understand ourselves and how the world functions. And so, the natural man knows nothing. It doesn't matter how well educated you are. And I remember... 
before 15 years ago, um, my oldest daughter was just born. She was almost one years old. And I thought, according to the world standards, I'm a good husband. And I thought, according to the world standards, I'm a good father. I'm a good provider. And then, but, but at that stage, everything was starting to fall apart. Everything. Marriage, parenting, relationships, everything. And then I was invited to church. First time I sat in the message, it felt like I was the only one there. God was speaking to me. And I got saved that day. And I couldn't wait to get home to go and read about this Jesus I just had the encounter with. But was all my problems solved? Did I know what God's will is for my life? No. And so I, was, I had all these things. I, I just had this experience with Jesus. But I still had all these things, the mess of my life that is, that is there. And so how did God want me to solve it? So I had to go and say, look, God, what does your word say about marriage? About being a good husband? About being a good father? And there were so many times. About being a good steward. As we've heard this morning, Leon shared stewardship. There were so many times that I sat with my, head, my hands and I think, dear Lord, what was I thinking? Dear Lord, I was so stupid. And that doesn't come from ourselves. We wouldn't have known it if we didn't go and look at what God's wisdom, God's word says about it. And I wouldn't have been able to find out what God's will for my life is if I didn't build my relationship with Him and spend time in the Word. And so it's not about our ability. My own wisdom led me to nothing worthwhile. Absolutely nothing. But God's wisdom brought in healing, restoration, New beginnings. Say new beginnings. Who's here today wants a new beginning? You don't have to answer. If you're making notes, write this down. Reality is what God says about life. Reality is what God says and thinks about life. Not about what the world says and think about life or what we think and say about life. Everything else is a fantasy. I remember when we used to, at all these normal channels and DSTV years ago, there was always these adverts on uh, with the perfume and everything. It was these wild adverts with this, and it was all just fantasy. But you know what? The world believed that. They believed that rubbish. That's not real. That's fantasy. What God in His Word says about life is real. Amen? Not about what we see on TV and the billboards and the cell phone adverts and all of the things that's going around us. The second thing that Paul writes there about, he says we, um, this, what is necessary to discover the will of God is understanding. Say understanding. That is the application of the wisdom that you are learning in specific circumstances when you read your Bible. So in other words, a clear vision of what needs to be done. And so, I think all of you today are struggling with problems that you're not sure on what to do and how to do it and how it's going to look and how it's going to outwork itself. 
the first thing we need to understand is how does God see our problem? And what does God think of our problem? And then what does God say about our problem? What does God say? Not what other people says, or YouTubers says, or influencers says, or whatever the words are. What is, are there more words than that? I don't know all the terminology. Who's all the Instagrammers? Okay, no. So a clear vision about what needs to be done. What steps do we need to take? And as you read in the Bible about your problems, I had financial problems and I went to the Bible and I looked at what does the Bible say about money, wealth, prosperity, finances. And the best thing that came out of that, my relationship with God's strength, and I got to know the character and the will of who God is and what He wants for my life. And so God used finances to confine me to such a small space where I had no choice but to go and look in His Word. What does He say about it? And so what problem do you have here today? What are the things that you're struggling with here today? Have you gone to the Word of God to go and see what He says about it? And not to YouTube and Google. I think google.co.za, it's down. It's still down. Huh? Don't use .za, it's not there anymore. But you can still go and use it for other things. There's somebody that I'm in touch with, and that person will know who I'm talking about. That person was like coming to church and wanting this new relationship with God or a stronger relationship. And as he started spending time in the Word and coming to the, 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 the things that was arranged for the church and the, the, the men's meetings and all of that, I started getting words and started spending time in the Word. And what is God saying about my situation? And then God gives him words and God gives him these things. And, and then he shares it. He says, look, this is what, what God is saying. This is confirmation of what happened here, X, Y, and Z. And God is busy giving that person a clear direction of what he wants to do. That's not going to happen if you don't go to God, to go to his word. That's not going to happen. Does it mean everything has worked out fine and everything's No. But that person knows that God is in control. There's no more stress. There's no worry. Because no, God will do what he needs to do because he's doing everything in his might to follow God. What is God saying about my circumstances? What do I need to do? What is, the, is there any input, input from the leaders? Is there any input from... Uh, Here are the other things that you can pray for. And you know what? The prayers are specific. The prayers are specific. God wants us to be specific because God's will for our lives is specific. And so then, when it comes to spiritual wisdom and understanding and, and living in that, what carries on, Paul says, this is what will happen next in verses 10. And it says, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Say worthy. And may please Him in every way. Please. Bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. So that you may have great endurance and patience. And with joy giving thanks to the Father. And so here are things that if we apply Him. 
if we apply it, we will start to live in the will of God. And I want to say to you, it's a choice. It's not a, uh, it's, it's a choice. My kids get upset with them and I say, it's a choice. Like Nadia will come to me now. She's like, ah, I can't help it. But I said, it's a choice. And then she gets upset. Nadia, you're not I said, if you say it's a kiesa, nee. And she's looking at me. It's like, hey, dad's in trouble. I can't even marak someone pass me. But I want to say to you, it's a choice. The first one, it says that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Listen, when you understand who God has made you to be and what he has done for you, that he has sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, that you are loved, that you are cherished, that you've got, you're a new creation, and he's got a new will for your life. When you understand that, you will want to live a life that is worthy of honoring God. And you will want to live a life that is encouraging to other people to say, but I want what they have got. Look at them. They're not going to, according to the world. They're going against everything of the world. And you want to influence people in a way like that because you want to live a life that's worthy of God. And so that's the first one. Live a life that is worthy. You will, come, you will start to become more be, um, concerned about whether your behavior reflects His beauty and what others think of God when they are watching you. I've seen some things on YouTube and I think, yo, that's not a picture of Jesus. That's not, they call themselves Christians, but that's not a picture of Jesus. And so it's no wonder people out there, they look at some Christians and they think, yo, I don't know if that's for me. Because it's not reflecting God's will for our life. It's not reflecting. And we want to live a life that's worthy of the Lord. So how is your impact on others? And what are the actions that you do that make them look and how they see God? And so what the world does is they reject. If, if people, so let me put that into a question. If somebody rejects you, what is your reaction to that? Our reaction is when they kite. Oh, I don't need you. Or like, man, whatever that happens, if somebody rejects you, it's like, how do you, what is your action? But what does God do? We've rejected Jesus. We hung him on a cross. And Jesus goes and says, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And if God is reaching out his hands, and maybe you're today and you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, but He's reaching out your hand. His hand is out to you. He's waiting. Even though you're rejecting Him, He's waiting for you to take His hand. That goes against everything that the world is showing. God says, love your enemies. Who in the world will love their enemies? And He says, pray for them. Because He knows if you do that, they might look around and say, but that's... What, what's happening there? Why is this person that I'm rejecting, this enemy, why is he praying for me? Why is he caring for me? Because it goes, Jesus went against everything of the world. 
You all still okay? All right. The second one says to please Him in every way. What quality of life is pleasing to God? Did I give you that scripture? Hebrews 11 verse 6. No, I, don't, I didn't give you that one. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So faith is what pleases Him. And Roland has been preaching on faith. And so, every time Jesus or approved someone or commended someone in the Bible, it was because of their faith. The woman with the flow of blood reached out to him and he said to her, you have great faith. The centurion whose servant was dying, Jesus said to him, you have great faith. And so that is what pleases God. Please him in every way. You have great faith. And how does that look? You believe what Jesus says and you act on it. That is what faith is. You believe what Jesus says, and you act on it. There's so many things, examples that I can use, but I'm not going to go into too much of that. But rather, swim against the stream of life and stand firmly upon what Jesus says, trusting Him, trust Him, believing, standing firmly. And then... Then he says, bearing fruit in every good work. The fruit always and everywhere in Scripture is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. Right? In our relationships and our action with regards to others, concern, compassion, encouragement, help in times of stress, bringing a word of peace into a troubled situation. Matthew 5, verses 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Is there joy in your life? Is there peace in your life? Do you bring peace into situations? So when things are flaring up, when there's arguments and stuff, are you joining that argument? Are you bringing peace into that situation? Because God says, Blessed are the peacemakers. And so, it says, growing in the knowledge of God. Paul has been praying that the Colossians um, come to know God's will. And now he says, as they put these things into practice, they will know God better than ever before. I want all of your attention now. You all have got your attention. You're looking. Nobody's sleeping. (laughs) That's good. He can sleep. (laughs) Knowing God is the most exciting thing that can ever, 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 say ever, ever ever happen to you. If you're a Christian, you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you are bored, you need to get to know God better. God is exciting. God is captivating. He's beautiful. When you look at the nature, how He designed things, the human body, the intricate... I, I, look, at, I look at these wildlife, animal planet stuff, and I look at the creatures, and I'm like, 
God is so creative. God is amazing. That's just in nature. What about in our trials? God is there with us, showing us how to get through these trials, walking through these trials and the circumstances we're in with us. Paul is writing a letter to the Colossians. What would have happened if he didn't do that? And God, through that letter, speaks to the Colossians. And today, still, God speaks to us. But God is captivating. God is exciting. And people who know that, when they walk into a room, their face light up. Because they know God. Because they know that God is exciting, despite what's happening in their lives. Because it says, count it a pure joy when you go through trials. Whatever God do through those trials, and how He does it, He's there with you. But we should be exciting as Christians, man. God loves us. He, 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 he's, he, he cherishes us. He made us sons and daughters. And we have an inheritance that goes a long way, forever. So that is what Paul says will happen as we grow in the knowledge of God and put into practice these things that we've spoken about. Jesus says to the woman at the well in John 4, 14, He says, I will put in you a well of water springing up into eternal life. When we're done here today, I want all of you to be very exciting. Excited and exciting. All right. And then it goes on to say in verse 11 and 12, it says, Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. Endurance, patience, joy, giving thanks. Are you, do you have endurance and patience? with the things that you're going through currently. I can tell you honestly, it takes great power to remain patient. There's simple things like driving in traffic and going through circumstances of life and doing things. But it takes great power to remain patient. But every believer has that power. We have got access to that power. We've got to hang in when the trials come. We've got to endure. People who have that quality, they don't quit. Say, don't quit. They hang in there with their relationships, despite the pressures of what's going on, despite what's happening in the workplace, in schools, and the circumstances, and the friends. Endurance is what that relates primarily to our circumstances. And it says patience. I said to Vincent earlier this week, patience means long-suffering. Long-suffering. A willingness to wait and not pay back in kind. It has to do with a willingness to forgive and refuse to take revenge. Yo, I, like, I, like, I used to like to take revenge. I didn't let things go unturned. But I'm better, Angelique. Ah, I'm not. At this stage, she was the result of my revenge. Now she's my loving wife. And I love her very much. 
All right. And then it also says a joyful gratitude. In other words, glory in tribulation. And so, when you're going through difficult circumstances, do you find yourself looking at it as a challenge for God to show His power through what's happening? Joy. Gratitude. And then in verses, Colossians 1, verses 12 to 14, it says, Giving thanks to the Father, who is qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into His kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Can the worship team please come up for me? If they can get themselves ready in the back. What a beautiful verse that is. And so many things that we can be grateful for. The first thing is for a privilege that we don't deserve. That privilege is that we have been qualified by God to share in the inheritance of the saints, in the resources available to all of us. And what are these? What are these? What are these inheritance? A father's love, a savior's presence, a brother and a sister, in a body that God has put us into that is there to support one another, and a certain destiny of glory after death, the inheritance. Nothing can take that away from us. If we remember this, we can rejoice in any circumstances because we've got a Father that loves us. We've got the presence of Jesus. We've got support, a support system that God has put us in, brothers and sisters who care for one another. And we've got eternity with God once we leave this earth. And then he says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. If you understand that, that, need to, that needs to like do something in your mind. Because before I got saved, knowing my evil heart and the things I used to do, I don't even want to know where I would have been today. Probably locked up or divorced or whatever. I don't know. But God has rescued me. He's got an inheritance for me. From the dominion of darkness, He rescued me. Where would you have been today? If you have the thought, if you never got to know Jesus, there's a lot of you, you know things wouldn't have looked great for you at all. Some of you wouldn't have been here. And then he says he brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. You and I have been freed from the feeling of not being wanted. Being unwanted is most of the most devastating things that can happen to any human being. The feeling that nobody loves you, that nobody cares for you, and that nobody wants you is the most devastating thing that any human being can go through. But Jesus has come and He's broken that over our lives. We are loved. 
We are cherished. He's given His life for you and me so that we can have an inheritance with Him. So that tomorrow morning we can wake up and we know that our sins of today are forgiven. Not so that we can go up and do it again, but so that we can stand up and know there's nothing against me from yesterday. Today I can start anew. I can start afresh. And I can grow and try my best not to do these things again and grow my relationship with God so that I can walk in His will for my life. Father, I thank you for your love, your grace, your kindness, and your sternness. And Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that you show us in your work, word how to walk according to your will and what you want for us, Lord. That you want to fill us with the knowledge of your will through spiritual wisdom and understanding. And to do that, Lord, we must know your Son. And so before we carry on, I want to give the opportunity today, with our heads bowed, if you've heard this message this morning, and God has stirred your heart, has been speaking to you, and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're saying, man, I want that inheritance. I want to walk in the will of God's will for my life. And I want to be set free. I want to be in Jesus' presence in a body of believers and an inheritance that only He can give. If that is you this morning and you want to say, Jesus, I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior, you can just quickly raise your hand with our heads bowed down. Is there anybody here this morning? Anybody? If there is anybody and you don't want to raise your hand, you're more than welcome to come and speak to myself or Luke afterwards. We'd love to pray with you and for you. And then for the rest of us, it says, live a life worthy of the Lord. Please Him in every way and bearing fruit in every good work. If there's any of you this morning says, I want to live a life that is worthy of God, that is pleasing to Him, and I want to bear the fruit that shows that there's anybody like that this morning, I want you to stand and I'm standing. I'm saying, Lord, I want to live a life that is worthy of you, Father, Lord. Father, I thank you for each and every single person here this morning that's standing. You know our hearts. You know our minds. You know where we're at. You know exactly what we're going through. You know the challenges that we face, the hardships that we face, and the joys that we face, Father Lord. And Father, I pray as every person stands here this morning says, God, I want to live a life that's worthy to you, that is honoring to you, that is pleasing to you, Father Lord. I want to live in your will for my life 
And I'm going to take this scripture. I'm going to apply it. I'm going to go look at your word. Father, I pray that you will give each and every single one of us more wisdom as we spend time in your word, Father Lord. Father, and Father, give us natural ability, spiritual, supernatural abilities, Father. Supernatural abilities to walk in your will, Father Lord. That goes against everything that the world shows us. So that you can be glorified. And we pray that in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Alright guys, so we, we don't know what the power is going to do, but we're going to... Are you ready to worship? Can you worship after that message? Because we have an inheritance. And we can be joyful. And we're going to worship and show how joyful we are. Can we do that this morning?